0: Hi, my name is Reverend Dr. Sally Douglas and I'm the Minister at Richmond Uniting Church and you are welcome here. You're welcome if you're part of Richmond Uniting or if you connect with us sometimes or if this is the very first time that you've joined us. And you're welcome here today if you're full of faith or full of doubt or you're just in a slump or really there's so much joy going on for you. You're welcome wherever you're at. As we say each week at Richmond Uniting Church, you're welcome here, please participate as much or as little as you feel able. And the reason that we say this is because we know that God longs to meet us as we are, not as we think we should be. We've begun to gather for face-to-face worship again at Richmond Uniting, but at least for now we will continue to offer the audio worship so that people can gather with us who are not able to attend in person. And this worship is intended to be collaborative. So there are pauses in the worship and I haven't lost my place. I'll be praying in those silences and I invite you into prayer as well. Also, if at any point something's really struck you and you need more time to think about it or to pray about it or discuss it with someone else or make art or journal feel welcome to press pause and to do the, the spiritual work that you need to do. There's also each week an invitation into some homeworks and wondering questions which you're invited to join in with. But right now, wherever you are, you might like to light a candle if you are home or in an internal space, or if you're out, you might want to just pause, stop, take some breaths, look around you. Wherever we are, I invite us all to take a deeper breath. And to arrive in this moment. To be still. To shut up just a little so that we can begin to be open to God who is already present to us. Holy One, Sacred Three, Blessed Trinity, we rejoice in your love. Composer of life, your rhythm infuses all things, we rejoice in your love. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, Feast Maker and Friend, we rejoice in your love. Spirit Holy, Igniter of Compassion. We rejoice in your love. Holy One, Sacred Three, we rejoice in your love and we are still before you. We worship in spirit and in truth this day Through Jesus we pray, Amen As we gather in worship We honour the people of the Kulin Nation The Wurundjeri people where Richmond Uniting Church is located We honour elders past and present and emerging We also acknowledge elders from across First Nations Where people are gathering with us in worship this day We acknowledge that land has never been ceded, and we join our yearnings with the yearnings of God for justice, for healing, for truth-telling, and we commit ourselves again to this God's way. This is the third Sunday in Advent and each week there are themes across the worldwide church, across denominations and the theme for the third Sunday in Advent and in lots of places there's a wreath with the four candles so we like the third candle this week. The theme is joy. We're going to dive into this topic of joy today. There's a music suggestion on the website, richmond.unitingchurch.org.au. It's Joy to the World. Many of you may know it from Sister Act, the film. This is not that version, but you're welcome to find that version if you'd like to. This is a version by a band I don't even know. They're called the Rend Collective, and they splice the song with... The um, words of Kama Manuel, which is pretty cool, which is a a hymn for Advent. So I hope you enjoy this. One thing that I love that they highlight in this kind of version is this imagery of having joy in the middle of the mess. And that's something we're exploring today. Our first reading from the First Testament from Sacred Jewish Text is from Isaiah. It's Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 4 and then 8 to 11. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for all those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, loves justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God. For God has clothed me with the garments of salvation, has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots and as a garden causes what is sown in its spring to spring up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Our second reading, our gospel reading, is from John. We jump over to John's gospel just to hear a little bit more about John the Baptizer. And it's John 1, verses 6 to 8, and then 19 to 28. There was a man sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jewish leaders sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptising if you were neither the Messiah nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptise with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptising. For these words of faith and Jesus the word, thanks be to God. I'd like to invite us into prayer and then we're going to dive in and explore these readings and this theme of joy. God of mystery, God of grace, please, through alchemy of great spirit, break open these ancient words for us this day, guide my speaking and all of our listening and speaking and thinking that we can hear your voice to each one of us, your call. And through your strength, may we have the courage to respond. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. So did you catch those words in this ancient text of Isaiah? I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God. My whole being. I wonder when you last rejoiced, when you let yourself go, rejoicing greatly with your whole being, when you let yourself relax so that you could be infused with joy, celebrating with abandon. Today, on this third Sunday in Advent, when the theme is joy, I'd like to invite us to dive deeply into this topic. Because this is the thing, I'm not so sure we're very good at doing joy, We block joy in all kinds of ways. And I'm not sure if this is a Western tendency or maybe it's just a human tendency. But I want to unpack this with you. Because I'm making a big claim, but uh, I think the evidence is there. So one way that we block joy, like authentic joy, feeling joy in our bodies. One way that we block joy is we think, well, I can't let myself rejoice. I'll I'll let myself relax in joy when that issue is sorted out or when I have finally completed everything on the list of things to do or when that problem in that relationship is solved. Then when everything's sorted I'll relax, I can rejoice, I can be happy. We put joy off. As we approach Christmas, I think it's worth flagging that for many people, Christmas is just an awful time of year. And I think this pressure around joy is one of the reasons. There are many reasons, but this is one of the reasons. Because we can fall for the lie that, Um, We should have everything done or everything sorted by Christmas and this is the proper time to feel joy. It's as though joy is like a button that we press and should suddenly feel. Clearly, that's not true. And underlying this assumption about we can't have joy until a special time or we can't experience joy till we've got all the jobs done is the assumption that joy is somehow a treat, that it's not okay to taste joy in the middle of the mess when we haven't got everything done when everything is not perfect friends this is a lie but there's another lie that we commonly tell ourselves about joy as well we can be utterly captive to the lie that we can't rejoice we can't save a joy because if we do if we let ourselves rejoice be really full of gratitude be joyful in an unguarded way, if we let ourselves experience this joy with our whole beings, as it's described in Isaiah, then that's when it's all going to go terribly. The rug's going to be pulled from under us, things will fall apart. If we actually save a joy, well, it's all going to come crashing down. Underneath this assumption about joy is the fear don't get too comfortable don't get tickets on yourself, don't relax, don't be joyful because if you do, you'll lose it all. Researcher and writer Brené Brown writes at length about this and she draws from thousands of interviews so much data and she found that this tendency is really common and she describes it as foreboding joy, the fear that we can't let ourselves experience joy because if we do then all the good will just dry up right then and that somehow if we hold back from experiencing the joy it won't hurt as much when it all falls apart it's not true though While that's a strong tendency it's actually not true it's no way to live it's not true from the data and I'll, I'll add some links to the website but it's also not true theologically and this is where I want to dive in with you a little bit more if we claim to be followers of Jesus that is if we really share the heart conviction that in Jesus we see God God who takes on flesh the word become flesh Emmanuel which means God with us if we really believe this is the case then we have nothing to fear. The idea that God is going to smash us if we're too happy, too joyful, savouring the moment in joy, it's ridiculous. It's some relic from ancient cosmologies, Zeus-like gods who are jealous and mean and violent and unpredictable. It has nothing to do with Jesus. Because in Jesus we encounter God who is utterly kind who proclaims good news to the oppressed, who binds up the brokenhearted, who proclaims liberty to the captives. The passage that we heard from Isaiah is the very passage that Jesus quotes at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Luke's Gospel, saying, this is who I am, this is who I'm about, this is my purpose, this is what God is like, and I'm embodying it for you. The binder up of broken hearts. This is our God. There's a lot to rejoice about. The God who comes to us in Jesus not only proclaims and embodies this good news, weaving stories and new imaginings, disclosing the dreamings of God, which are about the last being first and they're about being healing and about there being enough. Not only Does Jesus disclose that this is who and how God is, the healer and forgiver and the liberator and the restorer? In the Gospels, we hear again and again that this God one, Jesus, rejoices, has parties, feasts, befriends. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, leans into joy, celebrates and savours joys and calls us to join in. Indeed, it's really curious. I love this about the Gospels. Across the Gospels, we are told multiple times that Jesus does so much partying, has so many feasts and has feasts with people who everyone else think don't deserve to be there and makes friends with people, doesn't have pity feasts, but actually makes friends with people and honours them and celebrates with them so much of the time that Jesus gets in trouble with the religious leaders they're like why are you feasting like this with these people and he gets a reputation the God one gets a reputation for being a glutton and a drunkard. man ours is the God of joy and feasting But this is the thing The joy that Jesus embodies, the feasting, partying joy, doesn't happen when everything is sorted out. That's not the way of Jesus. And this joy, this partying, this feasting that Jesus embodies isn't selfish either, where it's ignoring the pain of others. That's not how Jesus is either. Instead, in Jesus, the God one, We discover rejoicing in the middle of the work, in the middle of the doing, in the middle of the serving, in the middle of the healing, in the middle of the challenging and calling to account, in the middle of the forgiving and reconciling. Jesus pauses from the work, it's not finished, pauses to rejoice and feast and celebrate and invites all to join in and then gets back to the work, the exhausting work, the amazing work, the sacred ordinary work of compassion. I heard this fantastic description this week of joy as the oxygen that makes the work of compassion possible. We need it. It's the oxygen that makes the work of compassion possible. So this understanding of joy is very different to our cultures. It's about pausing for joy in the middle when things are still in a mess. And it's the call of our faith. But I wonder if Jesus turned up at your place this afternoon and said, come to a party. If you thought, look, I'd really love to, but I've just got to get this done. I might be able to pop in later, but I've just, I've got to do this or I've got to be there. Are we open to joy? I think the feasts in the literary classics of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, they're really great metaphors for this deep, rich theological understanding of joy time and again there are these epic scenes of great feasts where there's so much food and they're singing and dancing but it's in the middle of the journey and often danger is very close at hand and the characters know that but they also know the importance of the celebration the oxygen of joy for the rest of the journey this is jesus style feasting Jesus style rejoicing, and it's what we're called into. For most of us, I suspect the practice of tasting joy won't come automatically. Instead, it's going to have to be cultivated because we've been saturated in lies about joy. Heads up, I think children can teach us a lot about joy, about being joyful, about the simplest things in the middle of the chaos. But for most of us as adults, I think we will need to be intentional about creating practices that support this, that allow us to relax, that give us strategies for naming what we are grateful for. Not when things are sorted, not pretending things are perfect, but just in the middle of the mess, pausing to taste joy, to let it infuse our whole beings. And from Christian perspective... It's not just an optional extra. I think cultivating practices of joy is part of our spiritual practice. Because when we cultivate practices of joy and gratitude, we're no longer being dominated by fear about what's going to happen, or what we haven't done, or what we might have to do tomorrow. Instead, it's a practice which helps us to lean into God's strength and relax. Relax. Cultivating practices of joy is also a spiritual practice of humility. So it's a practice of trust, but it's also of humility, of no longer, oh my word, no longer pretending that we're the Messiah, that we are solely responsible for everything. And if we just got everything done, then we could be joyful, we'd have time. Dear God, we have a Messiah, Jesus, and he calls us to the feast. So practicing joy is a practice of humility which lets God be God and us be us and trust that God is at work, weaving the good. I think our friend John the Baptizer is an epic example for us here. When they're all crowding around and saying, Who are you? Now he could easily said, Oh, yes, well, I am (laughs) the prophet and the Messiah and Elijah all rolled into one. But he claims who he is and who he is not. I'm not the Messiah. He knows what he's called to do. I'm here to prepare the way. What a model for us. We're not the Messiah. We're just called to do what we're called to do. As part of the great weaving of what God is doing. It's not all up to us. Leaning into joy is trusting that the spirit is at work and so many others as well working with good God to birth the new birth, the hope birth, the love Leaning into joy is about letting ourselves be children of God and accepting the truth that we haven't got everything done we're not the Messiah we don't know what tomorrow will bring we're not the Messiah but we're not alone Jesus, Emmanuel, the Messiah and Feastmaker, the Crucified and Risen One who loves us to death and through the other side is with us, is among us and will sustain us and enliven us along the way, whatever happens, if we're open. So I wonder if we're brave enough enter joy and to allow joy to enter us hey I have some wondering questions and these are up on the website so that you can take them into your week I think sometimes it can help us to be grounded in practices when we can at least recognize when we've done it a little bit So the first question is, when was the last time you allowed yourself to savour joy with abandon? Just go back and revisit it, taste it, remember it. It might have been yesterday. It might have been five years ago. Um, Be gentle with yourself. But when was the last time you really just allowed yourself to relax, to breathe out and taste joy? Question two, what practices might you cultivate to experience joy as a spiritual practice each day there's some really great resources around this but an example might be beginning a gratitude journal just naming three things a day that you're grateful for savoring them go back and remember them cultivating joy let yourself enjoy that moment it might be putting on some epic music and having a dance when no one is watching letting your whole being exalt and rejoice as Isaiah says. And the third question is um, just trying to lean in a bit and acknowledge the fear that can block all of this. When you find yourself holding back from joy because you haven't got everything sorted or because you're afraid that if you allow joy that the good things in life will implode. So when you notice yourself holding back from joy, doing that foreboding joy thing, what could you say to yourself? It might be a a snippet of a psalm or or part of this Isaiah reading. It might be another passage from sacred scripture just to give yourself um, a reminder of the call to joy. Or how might you bring these fears to Jesus, the Maker? Because we are called into healing. So if you discover that you're, oh my goodness, I've never felt joy, I'm too afraid to. Instead of judging yourself and casting yourself a way to stand in the naughty corner bring that to god name it seek some healing we're going to do that right now all around the world there are these patterns of prayers of confession we call them prayers of letting go here at richmond uniting because the word for forgive a fail in the new testament the second testament in the greek it means release let go And so this is not a guilt trip time. This is simply an invitation for you and for me to be honest with ourselves and with God about what is going on within us. So let's pray. Precious God, being of light, bread of life, breath of love, you call us into joy deep, joy amidst the craziness of life but sometimes we are afraid to be joyful fearful that we have not got everything done or fearful that tragedy might overtake us please release us from this fear meet us in the mess and help us to step into the vulnerability of joy of letting you be God and letting ourselves be your children. In the silence we bring you our truth. your strength, may we taste more joy, may we allow the oxygen of your joy to fill us so that we will be able to join more freely in your love for all things, in your work of compassion for others and for ourselves and for this sacred earth, through Jesus we pray, Amen. St. Paul says this, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to God's self, not counting our trespasses, our mistakes against us, but entrusting to us, to us, the message of reconciliation. So friends, hear Christ's word of grace to every single one of us. Your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. We're going to pray for our beautiful broken world. And if you pray with images, if that's a more helpful way to pray than words, I invite you to choose an image, it might be of God's energy like a river running to those places or golden light surrounding people. you may like to also this week imagine a little bit of joy flowing in where fear is just wreaking havoc so let's pray God of the feast God who longs for all to have the bread that they need for today we pray We pray for our world. We pray that unchecked greed will be called to account. We pray that those who are hungry will be fed. Give strength to aid agencies. Where violence and corruption dominate and stop the flow of food, may these be called to account. May your grace flood in. for all those advocating for justice and mercy for human rights lawyers for teachers for aid workers for nurses, for doctors, for peacekeepers, for prophets for artists may your joy be sustaining them Holy Spirit please guide them May grace flood in. We pray for all those who are captivated by fear. Who can see no possibility of hope. because of external circumstances or because of a heart full of despair. May new possibilities emerge. May wise companions journey alongside. May just a little taste of your joy be birthed. May grace flooding. And we pray for those on our hearts, Grace flood in. And we pray as Jesus inspired us. Life giver, pain bearer, love maker, source of all that is and that shall be, Father and Mother of us all loving God in whom is heaven. The hallowing of your name echo through the universe. The way of your justice be followed by all peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread that we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us and help us to forgive In times of temptation and test, strengthen us. And from trials too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Amen. The final song suggestion for today is an amazing piece. Well, I think it's amazing. It's by Elgar. It's called Nimrod. It's from Enigma Variations. And I chose this because it's an example of a practice from my own life and not suggesting that this will be the music that connects with you by any stretch. But I had this experience a few weeks ago of having read about this piece and he wrote it for a friend, which I think is just such a delightful thing to do, Write write a whole series of pieces for friends. And this is one of his best friends he wrote this piece for. And I had this on in earbuds walking along this most beautiful part of a a parkland seeing the sun go down the birds flying around I had it pretty loud in the earbuds walking along with the dog and utter joy thinking about the gift of nature the gift of friendship the gift of such epic music and just rejoicing with my whole being so I share it with you as an invitation to find the music that you might use as part of your practice of joy and gratitude. A final blessing. Friends, in Christ Jesus, we discover the good news. That love is at the heart of the universe and love wins. So we can relax, we can taste joy right now in the middle of the mess be brave, let your whole being exult in God and as you go may the compassion, the good compassion of God holy mystery, holy wisdom, holy flame be upholding you energising you and guarding you in the name of Christ, Amen